Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Match Ball. The show is brought to you by Levi Solicitors, where you can get 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Daniel Chapman as well. Hello. 30 years ago to the day, this is what the Matchball 30 is all about. We look back at the games that happened exactly 30 years ago and cup fever is still just about hanging in the air over Ellen Road. Uh, we did go out of the FA Cup after a titanic struggle against Arsenal. That happened last week. Did anyone care in the end? Just glad to get it over just with? Just get it finished with, yeah. There were, I think there was a bit of that in the air, actually, by the time it came round to that final game and there was a sense of, oh, well, at least it's done now. Wilco did say that he was happier going out after four matches with Arsenal than if we'd gone straight out to Barnsley. So he was happy at least. And I think Bill Fotherby will probably have been happy as well at the the money that came in for all those games being on the telly and sponsorship opportunities and ticket sales and programme sales. But it did kind of mean nobody wanted to go and watch us in the ZDS Cup. Yeah, so we uh, had Arsenal on the 16th of Feb and then we had the Northern Area semi-final against Manchester City. Nearly 12,000 in attendance at that, an absolute bumper crowd. That was uh, just four days ago on the 20th of Feb where we beat Man City 2-0 with two goals right at the very end of extra time and something we didn't need because of the fixture pileup was extra time in an absolutely two-bit competition. Well, it is a route to Wembley, but so is the Rumbleos Cup and we're closer in the Rumbleos Cup. That defeat at Old Trafford smarted a little bit, but it's very much within grasp is this one. Do you mean next year? <laughs> Probably. I was just trying to create some tension around it, but obviously we know what happened. Annoying. Both of these games were annoying, weren't they? You it, felt like we, it felt like we never got going. You say next year, Howard Wilkinson has promised that we will get to Wembley twice next year on the back of this game. I don't know if he's drunk after the match, but that's what he says. <laughs> Two-legged ZDS final or something like that. Oh, God. Let's rewind to before the game and, and set this one up and paint a picture of what it was like. 32,000 inside Ellen Road to witnesses lose 1-0 ultimately in the end and an absolute bear pit of an atmosphere. And that sort of undercurrent from the first match where we were kicking the shit out of each other uh, carried over into this and there was a sort of air of it on the terraces too. I think that's what makes it so annoying to lose because you really get a sense of, of it mattering from the crowd and from the, from the players as well. They were absolutely flying into each other. And then bloody Lee Sharp goes and scores and it just completely ruins what would be a nice, a fun and angsty day if you can get a grab a win out of this. To some people, it was kind of the making of the day because it was the reason or the excuse for a proper fight. <laughs> if it finished nil-nil and it was kind of just the the scoreline from the first leg, you'd kind of maybe be tempted to just go home, but Lee Sharp scoring from what looked at first like a clearly offside position in the sixth minute of stoppage time. 
moments after Gary Speed had uh, almost secured extra time for us is what sparked a big scrap. Yeah, I mean, people who were there will tell you, and I remember being there as a kid, there were plenty of people older than me who will tell you just how toxic the atmosphere was on this night. It's one of the most toxic atmospheres I can remember uh, being part of at Ellen Road, you know. I mean, the Galatasaray game was really, really heavy and toxic, but for entirely different reasons. But this was just, this was nasty. And it was the Mancunians' fault. I'll oh. say that straight away. I mean, there, there is going to be an FA investigation, a probe, as the headlines always call them. Um, but the headline, the main one that catches the eye in the Yorkshire Evening Post after the game is that men in suits swap punches. There was a fight in the captain's lounge, which is the uh, the real worrying thing because People are used to football hooligans, louts with bowl cuts and baggy t-shirts, trading punches in uh, in the streets. But when it's men in suits in the captain's lounge, it just goes to show that a tie is no guarantee of good behaviour. I mean, we're skipping straight to the end, but it was kind of the, the story afterwards. Because, as we mentioned in the first game, there was the big argument about ticket allocations and that Leeds, on police advice, could only give 2,600 to Man United, so they cut off their nose despite the face and only gave us 2,600 at Old Trafford. Leeds, being friendly people and nice, offered a kind of rapprochement where they said that you can sell uh, tickets in the executive areas and that'll be fine, the captain's lounge included. And those tickets made their way into backstreet pubs where they were on sale to anybody in Manchester who wanted them. And that's one of the reasons why there was such violence in the captain's lounge and the the normally well-to-do West Stand. We, there's no, you've got to remember, the low field doesn't have any executive facilities. There's some boxes in the South Stand, but the West Stand is where most of the posh seats are. And I think the other contributing factor was that a lot of the people who owned executive boxes in the, or executive seats in the West Stand, who from the lead side at this point, were people who in the back end of the 80s had done quite well for themselves were in the earlier part of the 80s, had been fighting on terraces perhaps <laughs> and had maybe seen the other yeah. side of life and face-to-face with their counterparts from Manchester, <laughs> the fact that they were in the executive areas and that there were women and children around and tea trolleys and suits and ties went out the window, swiftly followed by a couple of chairs and maybe some people from Manchester if they could <laughs> manage it. Hello, well. old friend. <laughs> but no, it's very true. Um, it's not like it's massive corporate... Um, arrangements like these days massive firm of accountants maybe sky tv if something i've got a box no 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 no. this was this was local businesses wasn't it and they hated each other yeah and they were they were very up for defending the west stand against uh any attempts to to take the the chairman's suite or whatever was going on it was just running battles i have heard talk of people in positions of responsibility who were dragged into howard wilkinson's office over the way that they had been behaving in the executive seats and told to uh to to cut it out in future, but it was all Manchester United's fault. I'm sure well, Bill Fold will be allowed him to clear it up with a few purchases. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's go back to the start of the game then and, and sort of lead us up to the point where it all exploded. I mean, it, it was pretty explosive throughout, but um, that late goal really set everybody off and upset quite a few people. But uh, the lineups as it was on the night, Lukic in goal, Sterling, Haddock, Fairclough and White, Batty, Strachan, McAllister, Speed. So your midfield four is reunited with Carl Schott and Lee Chapman up front. Mike Whitlow and John Pearson on the bench. I think part of the letdown of the game is that it feels a bit like having shut back and batty back, like we've got a chance again. And Chapman's face is not exactly perfect, but it looks he's looking slightly more human 
by the time this game comes around. He's had it restitched and he looks almost acceptable, doesn't he? He's not quite Frankenstein's monster as he was in the first leg. So you, and, he, and also they've got Steve Bruce out, so it feels like there's an opportunity for him there. And it never really happens, does it? For uh, Manchester United, a bastard, a bastard, a bastard. Celian uh, Goal, Maldonagy, Pallister, Irwin, Clayton Blackmore, Mike Feel and Paul Ince. Brian McClare, Brian Robson, Lee Sharp, Mark Hughes with Danny Wallace and Lee Martin on the bench. Uh, it's not even a good team, is it? There's some shit in there. Let's be honest. You did remind me by calling them all bastards and then starting with Les Seeley. I think we touched on this topic before that he's the one scum player who I kind of have some respect because he hated the rest of them as much as me. And there's a, a great reminder in this game of exactly why that was. He collides with Mal Donaghy when they both go for a, a ball in the penalty area and Mal Donaghy ends up on the floor and has to have treatment to his back and is down for a good two or three minutes while they're treating him. And then when he gets up, he sort of turns to Seeley and says, God, did you... Did you have to whack me like that? And Seely absolutely goes mad with him. Says, what the fuck were you running at me for? You should have been over there. I didn't know you were fucking... And it's it's great to see. He he only came to Scum late in his career because um, he was on loan from Luton and Jim Layton was terrible. And this, you know, everybody talks about Alex Ferguson being, you know, one of the all-time greats. Greats. Oh, all-time greats. All-time greats. <laughs> That's a Freudian slip, but it's very accurate. Jim Layton, who was his goalkeeper at Aberdeen when he was a success there and winning things in Europe, had a bad game in the FA Cup final against Bristol Palace, dropped for the replay for Les Seeley and not even spoke, they never spoke again and Jim Layton says he'll never speak to him again. And he had the same thing with Gordon Strachan, whether he was, you know, got him through all the good times and, you know, dropped him out of Old Trafford and sent him to Leeds. And Les Seeley came in then and so he was kind of a very late import and absolutely he regarded Mal Donaghy with the utter disdain that I think any right-thinking person in football also would. Well, having seen both legs of this, do you feel that the second leg was as breathless as that first leg at Old Trafford? If by breathless you mean filthy, yes. I think Mark Hughes, as, as a bastard, comes into this one a little bit more, which is, he already set himself a high mark in the first game, but his insistence on kicking Chris Fairclough whenever possible really stands out in this one. And the fact the referee just essentially lets him get on with it feels a bit weak. Do you think there's a bit of retribution for that knee to the head on Paul Ince in the first leg? Because that was really, really snide, and I really enjoyed it. That was just a that was just a little mistake. He was <laughs> he was merely trying to walk in to defuse a situation with Chris Fairclough, and I mean, how could he know Paul Ince was sat on the floor? I mean, what was he doing there? The how idiot? was he to know that his knee would jolt in exactly that direction? And it's not like Mark Hughes's retribution, or if it was that, was confined to Chris Fairclough because at one point in this game, he kung fu kicks through the back of Chris White, which play on. I think there's a free <laughs> kick given for it, but there's no booking. And then um, he gets into a bit of a, a scramble for the ball with Gordon Strachan, who, as he runs away with the ball, he just kicks him in the air. There's no justice here. There's no revenge. It's Mark Hughes is a prick. Mm, this is this is the reason why I hated Mark Hughes. I think it, a lot of it goes onto this game. And all he could do was volley. That was it. That was him. Just like 10 volleys a season. Everybody goes, oh, isn't he brilliant? So what's the tactic in this game? We've, we've sort of isolated it to almost one tactic, haven't we? I mean, for either side, with Leeds, it was attack, 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 because we needed a goal. Attack and shoot at Les Seeley every single time is unfortunately what our strategy is. And Scum's one is just try to play the ball to Lee Sharp, get him 1v1 with Sterling and do what he did in the the first leg, which doesn't work for them until the 96th minute at least, because for one thing, Chris Fairclough is onto it. And so he's always basically backing Sterling up and sometimes out sprinting him to get to Lee Sharp. 
first. And the other reason is it does kind of cut off half the pitch. They keep referring on commentary to Mike Phelan being on the other wing, wondering if anybody's ever going to pass to him, but then kind of neglects the fact, one, uh, they were just going down this, the left wing to sharpen two Mike Phelan shit. So why would you give him the ball? You're just there to make the numbers up, Mike. Yeah, just stand there and look pretty. We'll just stand there. <laughs> there is a nice Lee Sharp moment where he goes past Batty and I think it's Brian Moore commentating, isn't he? He says, oh, and Sharp's got the better of Batty there and then Batty just absolutely twats him and you're like, okay, sort of got the better of him for a, for 10 seconds or so <laughs> until just, Batty caught up with him again. And just on the commentary, Jimmy Greaves is the co-commentator and I quite enjoyed at one point they're discussing the state of the pitch and he starts saying um, he knows a lot about the pitch at Elland Road because I used to eat a lot of grass here, Norman Hunter... <laughs> would regularly put me down to have a close look at this pitch, so I know it very well. There's an incredible save by John Lukic from Brian Robson at one point in this first half from that point-blank header. I mean, that is a Lee Sharp cross as well, actually, so he must have must have got the better of us on occasion, but it is a brilliant save, this. And Robson even stands up and does an old-fashioned drat arm movement. He goes, ah, can't <laughs> believe it. And this is the Lukic who you only saw in his, his dotage. You don't remember him like this, do you? No, he's good. He's good in this. That, I mean, it's an unbelievable save, is that? And it wouldn't have been against the run of players such because it just feels like it feels like we struggle to carve out good chances. We created a few half things and on another night, one of them goes in and Ossili lets one through his body or something and we get something from it. It, it just felt like the better chances did fall to them, truth be told. Probably our best one in the first half was Chapman just turned from the corner of the box and just shot a goal where nobody expected him to and Seeley tipped that over, but we weren't putting um, putting him in the six-yard box with the ball on his head like we wanted to. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Fair to say in the second half, they took a little bit more control of the game, do you feel? They kind of slowed everything down and made it more a game on their terms than on ours. And it was repeated from the first half, but slower, I would say, less intense. And then it all changed with the injuries of what fucked us in this game. Frankly, you wouldn't say we were out of it at any point in the second half. But once Strachan and then Haddock went off in within minutes of each other, that was pretty much that. 
makes me sad when Strachan goes off because he is our talisman. And if ever somebody was going to do something against a former club, you know, that sort of poetry angle of it, you'd, you'd hope it was him. So a massive loss. It did feel like momentum was gone at that stage. And, and the Haddock one as well, I think, was it was hard to watch in a different way because it's one of those where there's not even a challenge on him. Given some of the tackles that have gone in across the two legs, when a player gets seriously injured, it's just from jumping mm. and landing and... You see, um, fell down the well. You see Sutton giving it the the no gesture, don't you? Just like a no, he's done. He's done for a while. You would think of that. Although, it, I mean, this is an indication of how chaotic it became because it took Sutton a while to get there. He was down in the dressing rooms dealing with Gordon Strachan, who was injured in a collision. Should we call it with Paul Ince? To be fair, it wasn't the worst tackle Ince has ever made, but they kind of clashed hips, and it's hard to know what's actually gone wrong with Gordon Strachan, but. From then on, he can't stand up. He tries to play on for about five minutes, but then you see him just kind of falling to the floor and crawling, and they can't carry on mm. really under those circumstances. So, so Mike Whitlow comes on, and we have a proper reshuffle. Mel Sterling goes right wing, Mike Whitlow goes left back, Peter Haddock goes over to right back, and that lasts for two minutes because then immediately it's Ince again. Haddock goes up for an aerial challenge with him, and it's again not Ince's fault, but Haddock lands on, I assume. It will be a, a rugby divot that his foot has been caught on and his knee gives way from under him. But because Alan Sutton's off in the changing rooms with Strachan, it's the scum physio has to come running on and start treating him. Sabotaged in Moscow. And I don't know if that's... Um, you could see Peter had it kind of making some gestures to him. I don't know if he was saying, you get your dirty hands off me, you filthy old <laughs> trapped bastard, I want Sutty. Or if he was probably more saying, my knee really hurts, please make it stop hurting. You know, it's funny thinking about Strachan, you know, you have loads of different memories that kind of uh, swirl around your head thinking about players. And one of mine is always Strachan hitting the first man at the near post for corners. Another one is, is sort of holding his hip or his lower back, walking around looking like he's in pain. Well, he did that for years, didn't he? Pretending he was going to have to retire. when he never did. Just stuck around for another decade, it felt like. But with only two subs, this kind of necessitated another shuffle of the pack and not, not necessarily the prettiest shuffle of the pack, this one. If only we had another Mike Whitlow on the bench, but there was only one and that meant the other change. John Pearson had to come on for Haddock. So now Mel Sterland went straight back to right back and Carl Schutz sort of right wing, but there's only about 20 minutes left at this point. So it just becomes desperation. And with John Pearson and Lee Chapman up front with a combined height of about 20 feet, <laughs> um, it's just long ball and we just bang the ball long at them as hard as we can for as long as we can and as much as we can in it. I did say that it kind of, that's the end of the game, but we have two decent shouts. Gary Pallister, who is underrated as a prick in this, this particular vintage <laughs> I was going to say, as a player there, I thought you were <laughs> no, going no. to give him some credit. A great, a great man. People always give him credit as kind of like a stylish defender because he had quite nice hair. And he was next to Steve Bruce as well. Exactly. But he is uh, jumping above Lee Chapman in the penalty area and both hands on his shoulders as he goes up to make sure Chapman can't jump. And Chapman doesn't make something out of nothing in these situations. He's used to the rough and tumble of things in a penalty area. But on this occasion, he's absolutely adamant that that should have been a penalty. Do we get it? Of course we don't get it. It's a silly question you've asked there. Daft question. And uh, he gets man of the match, does Pallister, just to cap it all off. Well, that was evening it up from the first leg because Ian St. John had given it to... Chris White and that had caused newspaper headlines because Alex Ferguson was whinging in the press and all sorts. So the, uh, I think Jimmy Greaves is just, well, we'll give it to their, he wouldn't even have been their number six, was he? Because Scum's numbers are all over the place. Mal Donaghy's wearing two and playing centre-half. 
right back's wearing four. <sighs> Get it right. So that the other good chance that you referenced there, Moscow speed has a shot. 95th minute, mm. I think. And we're throwing everything at them at this point. It would have gone off if that had gone in, in a slightly different way probably, but it wasn't to be. Mm. Across the two the two games, didn't create enough clear cut chances. I think was the was the thing we and we've we've shown that we can do it in other games, haven't we? But I I think particularly with the reshuffle that was involved, it felt like that the chance was gone then when we're having to having we lost track and who's our best player essentially, and then everyone moved around the pitch, and then they start going in at the last minute. It was just not to be, was it? Yeah, and it, it wasn't just like sticking Stuart Dallas from right back to left back or something, was it? It was a complete wholesale change, but. And this was the thing that lit the blue touch paper and precipitated a lot of unhappy people being unhappy with one another. I mean, to be fair, some of the Man United fans were probably quite pleased. It was a proper quick turnaround as well. Speed shot is from outside the area and it's deflected and credits to Les Seeley for because no. he's diving, no. he's sort of going one way and yeah, he switches feet and he, he still keeps it out. And then because Leeds have got so many forwards, it's then uh, sharp, miles offside. <laughs> Anybody can see that the only way he can possibly be that far ahead of the, the play with the ball at his feet, he must be onside. And then he, he does his best to fuck it up, goes the wrong way around Lukic, gives himself a real tight angle, puts it into the top That's corner. A good finish, isn't it, the bastard? Well, it's the only finish he could do after putting himself in that stupid position. <laughs> and then he goes and does his silly little dance in front of the, the scum fans. And uh, you don't see enough of the mayhem, but Gary McAllister... Again, we don't have the video footage to prove this. Tries to kill the linesman, mm. um, gets booked for it. And you do see one bloke coming on from the southwest corner, don't you? Somewhere. I mean, to be to be fair, killing the referee or the linesman was only sort of a yellow card offence at that stage. It wasn't red card. This was in it. Um, the referee blows for full time straight after kickoff, and he is standing right next to the um, <laughs> the, tunnel. the tunnel. <laughs> Unfortunately, his mate, the linesman who had made this call, was yeah. on the, the far side of the pitch. So he had to get all the way through all the angry Leeds players. And the where you do see the front of the West Stand in the, the northwest, um, the southwest corner, sorry, there's one person kind of determinedly on the pitch, but there's a lot of people just milling around on the touchlines looking for some trouble to get into. And um and it is all it's absolute carnage. It would have been a better kind of mayhem had it been celebrating Speed's goal and that we're gonna get extra time and some, you know, glory and still a chance of Wembley, but um, I think people still had a good time. I mean, that reminds me of what you're saying there about the ref leaving the liner on the far side to deal with it all and him just getting himself off there. It's like the old joke about being chased by the lion, isn't it? And the pack of escaping people. You don't need to be at the front of it. You just don't want to be at the back of it. And it all went off. And sadly, the Wembley dream died. And there's nothing quite as disheartening as that moment when it happens, when it unfolds, where you're clinging on to a dream. There's always that little grain of hope, isn't there, as you're going in towards injury time. Thinking, we might just, we might just... And we've speed nearly did. Yeah, and we came so close. And if we'd had that penalty. But to have that snatched away and the finality of them scoring and the scoreline being out of reach, the game's over. Absolutely gutting. Always next year, isn't there? Well, Wilkinson was looking on the bright side. Well, but I mean, this is as near to the bright side as he gets. Where it says, <laughs> uh, I was proud of the way we kept at it and I will not be looking for the arsenic bottle. Christ. Cheers, Wilco. Oh, how it, says, is- uh, it would be a mistake... <laughs> If the gloom and despondency over this result overshadows the achievement of it all, and he's talking about the season as a whole here, there is a great deal of promise in what has taken place. And Strachan's quite um, a little bit more realistic, actually. Don Waters from the YEP asked him what he could learn from the game, and he said to stay away from Paul Lintz. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. But then uh, 
To say we are feeling down is the understatement of the year. I'm feeling very sorry for myself and my teammates, but after a couple of beers and a rest, I'll be over the disappointment. That's all it took, isn't it? That is it all is. it took. And Wembley is still not out of reach. I mean, we've now exited the FA Cup. We've now exited the League Cup on this disappointing day. But the Zenith Data Systems Cup, obviously, it's the it's the one we all wanted. It is. It's the it's the it's the trophy that everyone dreams of when they were a kid. The, uh, the full, it, full members' cup to give it its old school name. We all remember Billy Bremner carrying that round the um, <laughs> pitch at Wembley. Wembley, yes, yeah, Wembley. The, and there are two uh, two plus points. After this game, because um, one, the Rumbelows Cup is not going to get anybody a place in Europe, so that's good. If uh, if Alex Ferguson thought they were going to be sneaking back Lo- in, which is on purpose, didn't we? I was going to say this is your classic. Well, I was going to break up with you anyway, and uh, and we can't leave without um, a nod. We've mentioned the the television coverage. ITV sent Gary Newborn into the scum dressing room after the game to interview Les Seely and Alex Ferguson, and their faces when he tells them it was a draw. Uh, Absolutely exceptional. He's talking about, obviously, uh, you didn't able to get the the win out there today. It was a, a draw, but you've gone through anyway. And um, Gary? <laughs> their faces. I mean, you've got Les Seeley, who has before the angriest goalkeeper in Britain, and Alex Ferguson, who does not need any excuse. He's on the, Ferguson, you can tell, he's on the verge of, of blowing up and then just manages to, to remember it's live. But uh, well done, Gary. <laughs> I think that should happen more often. Just go in there, say, well, a little bit disappointing today that you didn't win that one. Oh, did you win? Well done. Did you, though? Uh, well, we get that two-legged semi-final against Everton in the Zenith Data Systems Cup. The uh, the two legs of that scheduled for the 19th and 21st of March in a, a few weeks' time. But finally, it's back to the league. We haven't had a league fixture for a month when it comes round to the Southampton game, which is getting played on the 2nd of March down at the Dell. It's much happened in the league. I didn't. I don't even think it's still going. To be honest, I think they just suspended it when we played at Spurs away. So unbelievably, our last league fixture was when Chapman went down and did his face. And uh, what has happened in the league? I mean, things have happened. Kenny Dalglish has quit Liverpool. That's what's been going on while we've been concentrating on the on the cups in between cup replays against Everton. Decided he didn't fancy the re- the replay and just quit. So things have been happening in football. And we'll pick up with the league campaign as we try and cement our place in Europe when we do return to action against Southampton at the start of March. We'll speak to you then. The match ball. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 